I was an accountant working an hour away. I had nothing, nobody. I didn't know a single millionaire until I was about 28 years old. My first mentor was my first millionaire. And I think everybody knows this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. This one, once you got the relationships, this is how you, how you uh, stick to them. This is how you keep them. And once you've met the person, this is how you draw them in. This is how you bring them into your sphere. And then endless referrals is how you monetize them. Like there's, there's always, man, like people around you are so valuable. If you culture and like make your database valuable. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Walter Amarello. Today we're learning his journey, going from a busy professional who hated what he was doing, to starting investing in real estate, to going broke and hitting rock bottom, and then coming back, continuing to invest, getting himself to the point where he was a multimillionaire, retired, and now on his mission, well on his way to creating 100 millionaires who then also go on to create 100 millionaires, each their own. It's a great conversation. We really go through his journey. Before we did this interview, I listened to several interviews that Walter had done, and I wanted to highlight more of his experience and his path to getting where he is, because I think that's really where a lot of the lessons lie and really highlighting his experience and his qualifications to show that he's the real deal and he's really done these things. So Walter Amarello, great conversation with him. I think you're going to learn a lot, be inspired, which is fantastic, and also learn many concrete lessons which can help you get to the next level as a real estate investor. A lot of great information in this one. You're going to learn a ton. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically multifamily and self-storage properties. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and would like to consider passively investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Fill out the form, schedule a call with me, and I'll look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you do enjoy this interview and you want to take your real estate investing to the next level, look us up, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. That's when we're doing it. Three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Right now, once again, our guest is Walter Amarello. Without any further ado, here we go. Walter, thank you for joining us today. It's good to be here, Taylor. Thanks for bringing me on, brother. So for our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about yourself, your goal, and uh, what you do? Yeah, my name is Walter Amarillo. My goal is to build 100 millionaires who are inspired to build 100 millionaires. And I was retired by 30, a millionaire by 32, and a multimillionaire by 34. How do I build millionaires? The question I get all the time, it's uh, basically through education. You know, uh, Knowledge is power. It's through educating them and then putting them in the right rooms. Wrote a book called Names on Deeds. I wear the shirt, Names on Deeds. So my philosophy is if you just own enough real estate, you can be a millionaire, you can be financially free. It's all about passive income. And yeah, that's me in a nutshell, right? <laughs> awesome. Well, really happy to have you here. And I want to just dig into, you know, some of these lessons and, and what you teach people. So I want to rewind a bit, you know, back to the beginning and how you 
started learning these things for yourself and, and getting started building, you know, passive income for yourself? Yeah. So I, I put a lot of it in my first book, Broke to a Quarter Million, because uh, I was driving down the street with one of my buddies and he started asking me, he's like, so your family must have been rich. And I was like, no, dude, why would you say that? He's like, well, you're a millionaire. I was like, no, oh, my family was broke. <laughs> like, they're still broke. <laughs> I love them to death, but uh, I didn't learn, you know, wealth principles from my family. Like there was no money. And so he's like, okay, so you must have, my guess is like your family was in real estate. I was like, dude, my, no, my family was not in real estate. So, like, okay, so you got a college degree. What'd you go for in college? like, no, dude, no college degree. Like I, I was homeschooled in fact. So I, did, I had literally no advantages there. And he, he looked over, he's like, how did you learn how to invest in real estate? How did you get all of this information? How did you buy all these properties? And the answer like comes back to, I had a really good mentor. And I got lucky, you know, bigger pockets and uh, th- like rich dad, poor dad, think and grow rich. I've read a lot of books. Um, you don't see them all right now because I just moved, but my office has 400 books that sit in it. I've read every one of those books multiple times. And uh, what I learned is books won't make you rich. <laughs> Tell You're me, absolutely a secret. Right. Yes. Knowledge alone is like just knowledge. Like it's just paperweight. So it was applied knowledge. I got a mentor. He was actually my first realtor. And he kind of walked me through this process of buying real estate. I call it names on deeds, but it's really these seven steps of first, you've got to know the location. And the strategy that you're working with. And you know, people can switch around strategy and location, right? I'm sure you've seen that with your investors. But I think for me personally, strategy comes first. You know, what kind of investment are you looking for? If it's multifamily, you're probably gonna be in one of the southern states or the Midwest. They don't really have easy multifamilies to get like that you could buy in big pieces in New England. Now, where I started, like small multifamily, yeah, they'd ha- they had like little multifamilies. You buy two families, three families, four families, six families. Uh, but if you want to buy like, you know, 100 units, it just doesn't exist in certain markets. So strategy comes first and then location. And he he walked me through a lot of this. And I, the reason I listened to him, Taylor, and you can, maybe you can relate to this, people are listening, is dude had multifamilies already. He wasn't just a regular realtor. Like he's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do this for fun. I live off of my passive income. And that when you said the word passive income, I was like, I'm listening to you. Whatever you say from this point forward is truth to me. And, uh, you know, he kind of, he walked me through that first property and this is how he, how he said it to me. Cause I sold a single family. I sold a single cause my, my wife wanted to buy a single family house when I was 22 years old. So we went and we did that. But four years later, I realized like I work as a slave for this property. I'm driving an hour to Boston working as an accountant. I'm doing the math, right? I got Excel spreadsheets built out that like say in my lifetime, my life ends up being average like everybody else, unless something changes. Well, I, you're, so I found myself in a, a very similar position with those spreadsheets, obviously different life circumstances, but that's what started me on my shift to real estate investing and then looking to build passive income. And I'm very glad that you said that books don't make you rich. I think in this space where, especially real estate investing, there are a lot of great books out there and I'm a proponent, proponent of reading them but I think too often when we talk about these books, they just say, just go read the book and you're good to go. But that's ridiculous. You have to go actually implement those lessons. Yeah, 100%, man. Books, knowledge is like I've heard of my movers when I was moving everything out of the old house into this house, the movers were saying knowledge is heavy. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> knowledge <laughs> is heavy. But knowledge creates the, the biggest problem real estate investors have, right? The biggest disease out there for the entire sector is, you know, analysis paralysis. The, the understanding that they should do something, but then not doing it because 
well, this contradicts that. And that book says I should do this one. And this book says I should do this. Or should I be a wholesaler? Should I be an agent? Should I be a multifamily? Should I do industrial investments? Should I do commercial? Does it make sense to get to hotels or casinos? Where should I start? And then when you start getting into syndication, it's like, well, who's a good syndicator? How do I know if uh, Taylor's the guy or if Leaf's the guy or Vinny Chopra's the guy or, or Tim Bratz is the guy? Or, you know, who, who should I be doing my deals with? And it's like the analysis paralysis from all of this education, all these books will eventually make somebody just like sit back and like 20 years go by and they're like, man, yeah, I had all these opportunities. I passed them all by. So like yeah. knowledge alone, books alone, not going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So back to your journey, it sounds like you owned a home. You were doing the math on it and seeing, well, this doesn't get me to my goals of where I want to be. So you sold that property. Is that right? You sold your primary residence to focus on something else? Yeah, Taylor, I'm not sure if you're married, but uh, close. Next Trevor, year. Close. So congratulations uh, for all listeners who are married. My best wedding uh, marriage advice is don't sell your wife's beautiful house that you spent four years <laughs> renovating. <laughs> so so I, I this is I got tricked into it. Like I think subconsciously, because I've read Think and Grow Rich, I'm all about you know abundance and manifesting. So I do believe that we think about you know, what we think about, what we bring about, I, I think I manifested this. So I put out on Zillow that I would sell my house for 220. It was like the, the make me move offer because I bought the house for 170 and I put it out there on Zillow. And wouldn't you know, somebody called and they asked if I, they come see the house. I was like, well, you know, whatever, like come see the house. So here I am in this predicament where a realtor shows up. I, they didn't say they were a realtor. It's just realtor shows up. And my wife's like, why is this woman in our house talking about selling our house? <laughs> I was like, I, well, I, this this thing with Zillow, you see what happened was I just you know, typed some stuff in. And uh, so we ended up selling that property. We made a $34,000 profit. And I had it took me a month, a year, uh, probably about a year before she finally like was like, okay, we'll do this for a temporary time that I'll buy a bigger house. That was my pitch. We're going to sell this. I'll buy a multifamily. And then after we get the three family, we're going to buy a bigger house. And I just kind of kept kicking the can down the road. I was like, well, look, this two family showed up next door. Why don't we buy that? And she you know, was frustrated, but she's like, fine. Like, okay, two family. And then I started like going after this four family right, right across the street. So she's like, what are you doing? You said we'd buy one that I could get the big house. And I was like, see how the finances work though. Like this owner occupied thing, you have to move into it. If I get a single family, they're not gonna let me do this. So uh, she asked for a divorce. I could laugh about it That's now, rough. Taylor, but. <laughs> You've had time to, to, to get, get through that, but. That's tough. I mean, that's one of the most financially devastating things that that people can go through. Yeah. And at, during that time, I I really was just like, did I did I bring this onto myself? Like, secretly, did I want the divorce because I was afraid that you know I, I kept building my empire, she might take half later on, and it made more sense to you know lose half now. And I look back at it now, and I'm like, I was so immature, you know. But but in the moment, man, I was I was dying. Like I I've never felt so torn apart, so ripped apart. My whole life was, you know, it was her. Like if she was my relationship, she was my life. And then it was financial. Like she wanted half. She wanted everything. And there was attorneys involved. It got pretty. It got pretty nasty. And I remember uh, I was sitting on a bucket in my house. I was renovating one of the units I just bought. I was sitting on a paint bucket. And I remember just thinking like, I don't necessarily have to be here anymore. You know, like there's really no point for me to put up with life. You know, I didn't ask to be here. I haven't done well with it. There's other people doing better. And it might just make sense for me just to, you know, not, not do this anymore. And I thought, you know, in my head, like I thought of my brother, I thought of my dad that kept me there a little bit longer, but I need something bigger. I need some, like a real reason to stay, you know, on this planet. 
And I just remember like talking to God and just saying, hey, look, if you give me the knowledge of how this money thing works, how relationships work, how to just how to be a decent human being, you put somebody in my life like to teach me how to do these things. And I swear I will teach as many people as will listen to me. I will, I will learn whatever it takes to teach and I will give. I didn't know about public speaking back then. I didn't know about, you know, being on stages or podcasts. I just, I knew that I would tell anybody who wants to learn how to get rich, if they came to me and asked for the fervor that I had, I would absolutely like, whatever, I, I will sit down, I'll, I'll give these conversations. And that kept me alive, man. That kept me, it sounds crazy, but like looking back, like that's, that's why I'm still here. And uh, that's what the 100 millionaires is all about is, you know, I, I've committed to building 100 millionaires. And I've just asked that they pay it forward, you know, 100 millionaires inspired to build 100 millionaires, uh, to me is a pretty cool thing to be doing on this planet. So uh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, that was, that was <laughs> the first house is <laughs> spreading out abundance. But you know, you okay, so you have that you go through divorce, probably very, you know, financially devastating. And this is something that, you know, I consciously thought about my fiance and I discussed when we were buying our, our new house, which I'm now sitting in as we talked about, you know, I know a lot of people doing say like an Airbnb house hack, you buy a bigger place and you need section part of it off and Airbnb now it's a great way to you, know, you can make some money if you do it right. We talked about that. And she said, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. And I said, great. Now I'm not distracted from my main mission, which is, you know, the syndication of investing. So, you know, but, but I can see a, a younger man making that pitfall. I mean, I'm, I'm 33, right? I've got, <laughs> I think you're a bit younger uh, when that happens. So I don't know, not, not my business, but anyway, moving forward. No, it was 27 Taylor. You're right. It was just very <laughs> immature. <laughs> so moving forward, you know, in your, in your life, your strategy, how did you come back from that? Because those big financially devastating moves, that can be it for a lot of people. You know, now you're back, you know, driving an hour as an accountant and not living your your life and your purpose. I mean, what steps did you take to get back on track? Oh, so I made it worse. Um, not only, I forgot to mention, I also quit my job during that same period of time to work on the relationship and work on my rental properties. And me being around actually intensified the problem. So... Uh, it solved the pro a lot of problems down the road later, but so I didn't have my job and I spent about a year. I, th I This is what I thought, Taylor, imagine this. I'm an accountant, right? I'm, I'm behind the scenes for a big financial company, just, you know, typing away, sending out invoices. I decide the best thing for me to do, by the way, never had any sales experience in my life. I said, the best way for me to really step up my game is to become a real estate agent, a salesperson and a marketer. And go out and get into the corridor of real estate so I can really understand how this thing works and get paid for doing it. And it turns out, fortunately, sales is a learnable skill, but it also turns out that I didn't want to learn sales. And I had <laughs> a lot of things against selling and a lot of things against being a marketer. And so I, it took me a year of making, I went from making 75,000 a year to making 17,000. And that year was just such a kick in the teeth where I, I just really had to look inside of myself and say, what the hell am I doing? Who am I? And why am I, why am I doing all these things that I suck at? <laughs> why, do, why am I so bad at it when there's other guys out there making 100,000 a year, 150,000 a year, quarter million a year as real estate agents? Like, what is it about me that, that needs to change? And I did, I did really become a good agent. You know, the next year I, I made 105,000. And the year after that, I, I pulled in a quarter million. And the year after that, I made a half million. Now, the half million was not through agency. So I'm very clear. I went back into real estate. So I took a year off where I just couldn't buy anything. You know, my finances were completely wiped out. I ended up 
I gave, I kept two of my properties, but I had to give her basically all my cash, all my free cash, everything had to get liquidated. I borrowed money from my family. And that next year was all about real estate agency. That was the year I made $17,000. I got back into real estate, I started buying and I bought like, it's crazy because I took a year off, but I bought three houses the year after I bought a single family. I bought a four family and another three family. So I picked up eight units when previously the, the year before I picked up two and the year before that I picked up three and I went through this year of nothing. And I, I got blessed. One of the properties I ended up uh, selling, I made 150,000 from selling it, which was mind blowing. Right. I'd never seen any money like that in my entire freaking life, like on this planet to make 150,000 and not just a year, but in one day, you know, the check just written and handed to me. And uh, from that point, man, the, the game changed. Like then it was, you know, can I do two of these? And I remember one month I made 300,000 in one month because I did two flips like that, two, you know, two multifamilies. I flipped them and I made 150,000 each. And like, Man, that, that's been my strategy is we, we buy and we acquire portfolios and we disposition little pieces of them. Like I was telling you about the condos we purchased. Uh, like we'll, I'll pick up three multifamilies. I'll pick up uh, two years ago, three years ago, I did this cool deal. We call it the Walnut Street deal. And this deal was a four, a five family and then two, three families on the same lot. So we picked them up for 600,000. Each one of those right now is valued at 450,000. So like that was that was a deal we did two and a half years ago and just by holding it. So this is our other strategy. It's like we, we aged. So I picked up a partner along the way too. So we age our deeds, right? So we're not paying any kind of taxes when we sell, we just pay capital gains. We're not paying income tax. We we're earning from the property for a year or two. We just age the properties. We hold them for a little while and then we sell them eventually, you know, reposition strategy. Like, you know, we hold three years, five years, you know, some of those original ones, I don't own anything that I held early on, thank God, because they were small, right? We, we stack up, we pyramid as we go. We keep buying bigger and bigger properties. I sell a three family, buy a six. I sell a six, I buy a 12, right? We sell, a, sometimes we sell a six, we buy 24. It depends <laughs> on, on how these deals go. <laughs> well, that's, that's true. And I'm glad you mentioned the tax aspect in particular. A lot of folks don't really talk about that when we're talking, they're talking about Flipping versus holding a property to rent for productive use and add values. Flipping is taxed as ordinary income. So you're always going to pay a huge tax bill on a flip. It's unavoidable. There's not really much you can write off in a flip and you can't 1031 a flip to push that, that tax forward. So a lot of tax issues with flipping. I think folks should just be aware of that. And you know, a concern of mine recently in this, this real estate education space is I've kind of gone down a, a rabbit hole of, not talking about you here, but a rabbit hole of fake gurus and fake, fake guru exposed videos on YouTube. And it's really shocking how many people are out there teaching extremely high level, cheap, useless information about real estate investing who've never done a real estate deal. Like, And there are a lot of them. And I'm glad you're talking about particular deals here so that we can, you know, highlight because it's good for folks to dig into deals that, you know, investors have actually done and dig into the weeds there. So I'm, I'm glad we're, we're digging into that. So tell us about continuing to scale up and, you know, go for your goals, go from, you know, being at the, the rock bottom, essentially, to hitting that multi-million and really continuing to pursue your, your purpose. So 
I mentioned that I had a partner. That was not how I came into this real estate game. It was not how I came into the business world. It's not how I came into life. In fact, one of my first part, uh, mentors, the one I was talking about earlier, the realtor who had owned, a, uh, I think, 13 units, he's what he had. He told me, Dan- partners are for dancing. And I was like, okay, partners <laughs> for dancing. I took like anything he said. You know, I'm like, you know, I may have been, you know, a 28-year-old guy, but I in like investor world, I was a child. I was a baby, right? And if you've ever seen a baby, like, if you like raise your hand, they're raising their hand. So he said, partners are for dancing. Like I start quoting that with everybody I talk to. They're like, hey, I'd like to partner with partners for dancing. Like that was my instant reply. <laughs> so I got to 22 units doing this, you know, invest by myself thing. And I, I had a girl that I was dating at the time and we bought this, four, she wanted to buy this four family. I was operating as her agent. She wanted to buy this four family. She put five grand down. It was a phenomenal deal. And then her financing fell apart like three weeks before closing. And so I started making phone calls with everybody I knew. And uh, I was like, hey, like, who do you know who might do hard money on this? Like, I, you know, I just want to keep her in the deal. Just like, we were buying this thing. It was a four family for 120. And I knew on the market, this thing had to be worth at least 280. Like all day, like it just needed some renovation to get to 280. So, like, but it was probably worth, you know, 160 if I just wholetailed it. Like if I just went in and like cleaned the thing up. But I wanted to own the rental property. I really wanted to keep it. So I, I called my attorney. Like out of the craziest thing, I called my attorney and he's like, oh, dude, I'll do the deal with you. And I was like, no, no. I'm like, what do you mean do the deal with me? And he said, oh, I'll partner up with you. And so he said that word. But I also had super respect for him because we'd done so many deals together. And he said, I'm not partnering because, because I think that the deal is a good deal for me. I'm partnering because I want the relationship with you. And like that kind of changed the way I thought about partnerships. So I, I ended up doing this deal. He covered all the expenses. So it was 120 to purchase, and then 60,000 in renovations. And I did, I just managed the whole project. And I'd never done a flip before. And I hated the idea of flipping because flipping to me is a job, right? Wholesaling is a job, which all the gurus out there are like, oh, you wholesale one deal. And they're like, this is the way to do it. No, <laughs> wholesaling <laughs> is the worst way to get into real estate. It is, it is a lot of work and you'll probably never make any money. And two or three years from now, you'll just be out of the business because it was too much work. And flipping, is a great way to make income. It's just a job. It's a high risk job. It's a lot of work. And I, so I went into it saying like, dude, I'm a landlord. I don't want to do a flip, but I want to do this partnership with him. It's money that I can make. And, you know, maybe and in my back of my head, I'm always thinking maybe I can refinance out of it, right? Like maybe I can just pay him off and I'll keep the property. So we, we start this deal. Five months later, we get an offer for 280 on the property. And I looked at, you know, my, my ex-girlfriend at the time. So she had, she and I had broken up. And I told her, I was like, look, this is kind of what's happening. I like, I bought the contract from her. Like I just said, look, $5,000. I don't have it right now, but after the close, I'll have the money. I'll, I'll pay you out of it. I said, I want to send you an extra 5,000, like just to thank you for giving me this opportunity. Now we'd been broken up. Like she, she's living <laughs> in Vegas now. Like and we'd been broken up, but like, to me, it felt like the right thing to do. Cause she, mm-hmm. she trusted me. She had faith in me. And the entire time I was building my business, she was always very supportive. So like, I still want to like pay her. So I sent her a check for 10 grand to this day. She and I are best friends because of like that, that paying it forward. Right. And my attorney buddy, he got 32, uh, he got 28,000 and I got 32,000 because I, I put a little extra money in right at the end. I had to do uh, some sort of closing. And for the first time in my life, I realized like five months worth of work, which by the way, not work. All I did was text a couple of contractors, drive by the property a couple of times. And I made $32,000, not just for me, but for my attorney, like the guy who's been doing all these deals for me. 
and one of my ex-girlfriends I sent 10 grand to. So like this like partnership thing kind of worked. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, I got 22 units and I started this real estate office. I had 25 agents. One of my agents wanted to be an investor. Most of my agents wanted to be investors. That's what I would, the whole principle, work with me and I'll teach you how to invest and be an agent, you know, kind of do what I've been doing. And, you know, investor friendly agents. And like, that's, that was what attracted my partner. And so Ron Bowling comes in, he's working for a year, doesn't buy anything. And eventually says, man, I would buy if you partnered with me. And the first thing I said was, you know, partners for dancing. Now a year goes by, I've done this flip. And he comes back and says it again. And I was like, man, like, all right, but I'm tapped out. I, I got 22 units. I just bought, I think I just bought like four properties that year. I did, I was doing that flip at the same time. So I was like, man, like I got no capital to go into this. The only way I could do this is if you put the money up and I'll bring the money back in after I, let me sell some of these properties. I'll, I'll like bring my, my half of the money in eventually. So uh, he agreed. So we started buying property, man. Like I said, just one, I just want to do one flip to see if it works to see if I even like this relationship. I want to be in and out and see if we work well together. So we put one flip under agreement, a three family. We're just going to convert the first floor from, it was a mixed use. So we're going to convert the first floor from commercial to residential. That was our play. And like We're going to go in and we're going to like get rid of the big windows and make the normal windows. And then we're going to like make the kitchen like a bigger kitchen. You know? <laughs> and then put in like, like bedrooms. Yeah, you know, that's all we're doing is putting up walls. Like basically was, was the game here. And so we spent 15000 on that reno. We bought it for one twenty six, And then we sold the property for 200000 before we even sold it, we locked down six, five other properties, a 10 unit. We locked down two more threes. One of my buddies, I, Snapchat, like I'm talking about Snap, uh, like it's social media, like oh, you know, social media doesn't bring you deals or business. A guy that I met never from Facebook added me on Snapchat, shoots me a Snapchat one day saying, hey, man, I got an off market property. I'll even do seller financing for you. Lives in Florida. My mind is like absolutely freaking blown right now. Like I bought this five unit with no money down with uh, like, he didn't even ask me for any, any kind of concessions, but seller financing, $170,000. My partner, this is how, how tight I am with partnership now. My partner's like, there's no reason for you to bring me in this deal. You don't need my money. You don't need me to do any of the work. Like, why are you putting me in this? I told him, I said, Ron, it's, this is about a long-term relationship, man. You know, I might've messed up on my marriage, but I'm, I'm in on this <laughs> partnership. <man. laughs> We're partners for life, bro. Like you're gonna have to come to me and beg me to buy you out. Cause I'm going to, I'm one, I'm going to be in this business forever. As long as I'm in this business, I'm, you're going to be my partner until like you decide you don't want to be in which case we'll, we'll organize a buyout and we'll have that conversation. And so like, that's how we've been so tight, you know? So bought six properties that year, we got up to 42 units and we were rocking and rolling since. That's awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate that because in this space and real estate in particular, I think people really tend to understand the value in maintaining and growing long-term relationships. Whereas if you kind of go out in the in the broader community, just to go back to you know the fake gurus and everything, everybody's so one-off, but it makes my life much easier. It makes my investors and partners' lives much easier if we all focus on the long-term and producing results in the long-term, benefiting the relationship in the long-term. And it it makes our lives easier. It's less work in the long run if we all just work to benefit each other. But I think sometimes people just get caught up in, in short-term thinking or I don't know what. I, I don't know why people don't think about that more. Like think about the benefits of, of focusing on the long-term relationship building. You know, it, it's such a detriment to most society. Like I, I could tell somebody's broke depending on how selfish they are. 
depending on how few friends they have and how deep they care about their friends. And when I say friends, I don't mean like the people you grew up with. I mean, like you met just, you just met a person, you identified a few things about them. You said, I want to be their friend. You mean it. Like that's, that's what I think real estate investing makes you successful is be able to build deep connections and do it multiple times and actually stick to those relationships. So in, in real estate, like what we've done is in order to build deep relationships, we, we do, we, we cheat a little bit. Like I have a database software, <laughs> right? I use a database, I use a CRM. I, I, like I input like really cool, meaningful messages. I just think about, you know, two or three different people individually. I'm like, if I sent this to them, would they feel like I thought about them? And then could I have a meaningful conversation afterwards? And if I, I feel good about it, then I'll automate that across the hundred people, right? That I know are in my, in my criteria of people I want to hang with. Like Vinny Chopra is nearly a billionaire. He'll be there, you know, in two or three years. I, I joke with him already. I'm like, you're a billionaire. Like I just call him that because he's got <laughs> $700 million in real estate. So when I, like, when I started, like, and when we made that relationship, I was like, dude, like, what do you need right now? He's like, I want to get on more podcasts. So like, would you do a daily show with me? He's like, yeah, I, w- I would do a weekly show with you. So a weekly, not daily. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that I, would be I, I bet lot. I could get him too. <laughs> and, and like, that was like now a day, like I have to now every, every week, there's an hour I've got to prepare and plan and do this podcast with him. But he's now like, I'm super connected to him. And that, that deep relationship has brought so many opportunities, so much knowledge and, and awareness. And we do the same thing with anybody I've ever been on a podcast with. I'm like, Taylor, you and I are going to be best friends because we're in the same space serving as many people, right? You're a millionaire who's building millionaires. Like that's the secret, right? Because you're out there teaching, sharing, guiding, and uh, you know, so the relationship thing, I got secrets, right? There's, there's ways to do it. There's, there's little tricks and tips that will make you an instant like relationship person. And I know I don't, we you know, books are everything, but I got three books. Yeah. I, tear them. Go for I it. didn't write them, <laughs> but I, I do have three books. I wrote, I'm not going to share those today. So the first one for somebody who wants to make a lot of money in relationships is this book, meet a hundred people by uh, Pat Headley, meet a hundred people. It's super basic, but man, if you meet a hundred people that are in line with what you're looking to do in life, you now have a, a database that you can build relationships that you could do something with. So the the subtitle there, I was just trying to read that on the video. Was, oh, if you hold yeah, it back up. So was, that's uh, how, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> a how-to guide to the career and life edge everyone's missing. That's the first I've heard of that book, but I'll definitely check it out. So I'm doing a, a 30-day challenge, how to build a 100-person database in the next 30 days so that you can have, if you're looking for deals, it would be a 100 wholesalers or 100 realtors. If you're looking for money, then it would be a hundred private lenders. If you're looking, and I'm joking when I say this, but I'm not joking. If you're looking for the right relationship, the right spouse, it's got to be 100 people. You got to go and have a conversation with until you hit that criteria. Then it may not be that person that brings you the spouse, like that is the spouse. It may be somebody they know or a friend because it goes to uh, referrals. So the next book, uh, and he's, Bob Berg is actually a really good friend of mine. So I've had him on the podcast, super amazing soul. He wrote the book, Go-Giver. He wrote the whole Go-Giver series. But Endless Referrals is how he monetizes relationships. Like, and so in the 30-day challenge we're doing, we're calling it the recession-proof challenge. We're going through these three books and we're gonna be sharing the tips of like what actually works for me, what tools I actually use. Because I've got over 400 millionaires in my database. Unfair advantage, right? If I want to do anything, I'm like, well... Who's doing what? Like, let's go. <laughs> Didn't start that way, though. <laughs> oh, no, dude. I started, like I said, broke in, in Fall River with 
no, I was homeschooled, Taylor, homeschooled. Like I had no social skills. I was an accountant working an hour away. I had nothing, nobody. I didn't know a single millionaire until I was about 28 years old. My first mentor was my first millionaire. And I think everybody knows this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a great one. This one, once you got the relationships, this is how you, how you uh, stick to them. This is how you keep them. And once you met the person, this is how you draw them in. This is how you bring them into your sphere. And then endless referrals, how you monetize them. Like there's, there's always, man, like people around you are so valuable. If you culture and like make your database valuable, like you've, you've probably heard this math before, the 80-20 principle, right? Pareto's mm-hmm. principle. Mm-hmm. There's another principle out there. It says that we can only have 150 relationships, deep relationships. That's all we're really capable of. Then we forget names and we forget people. We forget stories. True. So if you 80-20 that, and you're going to, like, this is going to lead to something you're super familiar with. If you 80-20 that, it's 30 people, right? Now I'll tell you that 30 people is your powerhouse. Those are your best friends. Like those are the people that, you work with every day. It's your spouse. It's your family that you're really close to. Those are probably the people in your business that you're making money with. You're seeing on a daily. And then you 80, 20, 30, you get 60. Uh, you get you 80, 20, 30, you get six. Okay. And that yep. is five, your five closest friends plus your ego because your ego counts, <laughs> right? It's a separate subconscious mind is in there at all times. Sure. Yeah. And then you can tell anybody's income by their five closest friends. So you want to increase your income, change 100 people you're around. One of those will shift and five of those will shift or 30 of those will shift and then five more of those will shift. But if you change that 100, you'll have a pool to decide, you know, how do I want my life to look like? And you just move them out. Everybody's like, oh, you got to change your you know, five close friends. That's hard to do. Changing mm-hmm. the five is a little tough because you don't know who to, who to jump into. But you go out and grab 100, well... You do it that way. You do it the right way. You become recession proof. Like that, that's how it works. <laughs> nice. I love that. You know, I think in this real estate space, too many people want to pitch their asset class as recession proof, yeah. which is absurd. Absolutely. No asset is recession proof. I don't care what you're talking Truth. about, but relationships, you might. Okay. I think you, I think you got it. You got me there on that one. I'll say relationships are recession proof. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Born ready, brother. Love it. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? The Best, best investment I ever made. It would, it would have to be, I would say my spouse. You know, my girlfriend is by far the best investment. She's helped me level up on so many levels with building this movement, you know, helping build millionaires with my investment strategies and uh, even my relationship with my business partner, right? Like prior to Darina, I would say my business partner, Ron, was my best investment of all time. But then Darina has leveled up my relationship with Ron by, you know, teaching me how to you know, work with him better and, you know, making suggestions for us. So best investment of all time 
to me is is going to be your spouse. It's the person you're spending the most time with. Absolutely. hundred percent right there with you, uh, with my fiance. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? <laughs> can I say my, my spouse? My <laughs> <laughs> you can, so that's I'll, up to you. It's your answer. I'll, I'll tell you, um, my worst investment was a single family home. It was a single family home in Fall River that I bought like I did not want to buy it, but I bought the subject to existing financing. This is one of the back when I was doing these creative financing strategies of uh, no money down stuff, which is already, you know, makes the game difficult. But this woman, like I knew I shouldn't have bought this property. I didn't want to buy it. I was sitting at the table and she was an old lady. She looked at me and she said, I, I need to get out of this house. What? And then you're an investor. I was trying to sell it. I'm trying to list it as an agent. I'm like, I'll sell it for you for a hundred thousand. She's like, I, I can take 77,000 for it. And I was like, shit, that sounds like a great deal for me. But I told her, I was like, I don't have any money right now. I just bought these other uh, six properties. I'm tapped out. And she said, um, I would, I would, uh, like, how, how could you do it? This is the secret, right? How could you do it? Right. If you're, you're ever like thinking about investing in somebody's syndication, ask yourself, how can I find that money? Right. Maybe it's in your 401k, maybe it's you know, somewhere else. So she so asked me, how can you do it? And I was like, well, the only way I could do it is if I took over your existing mortgage and I just paid the bill for you and I could give you $2,000 to move because she needed money to move. Like that was like necessity. So I could do that. But I told her, you got to have to move all this stuff out because it's a hoarder house. You got to move everything Ooh. out of here. Yeah. And like, I'm telling you, I'm doing this out of the kindness of my heart. Like I, and I said one more thing, like before we do this deal, I want to sit with your family and make sure it's a good deal for you. Because if I don't pay the bill, it's on you, right? Like you could lose your credit if I don't pay the bill. You're, they're going to come after you. I sit down with, uh, she's like, oh, okay. You know, my son is a, a police officer. I'm like, oh, I'm getting out of this deal. Like, <laughs> you know, like, he's going to say, no, this is stupid. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sitting there on the table with uh, her son and her daughter, the police officer and, and her daughter. And they're like, yeah, no, it's an amazing deal. Thank you so much for doing this for my mom. And I'm just sitting there thinking, there's no way I'm buying a house subject to right now. I've already got too many properties on my plate, but this is going through. And I called my attorney friend, you know, the one who I did that deal with a while back. And he says, sure, I can do that. No problem. Subject to, yep, I, I do these contracts all the time. And he signs it up and dude, I get to the closing. I write a check for two grand. I now own a house. Like that simple. I, I went, I put five grand to it, you know, paint, carpets, floors, and I rented it out for... Uh, I want to say I was getting $900 a month for it. Some cash flow on a hundred bucks on this thing, right? It sounds like a great deal until it floods one day Ugh. until a, a pipe bursts in the basement because there is no basement. It's a, it's a crawl space pipe bursts and the tenant calls me. So it's like, I know water pressure, but even worse, I've got like a hundred rats in my house right now. Ooh. I was like, how many rats? <laughs> it said a hundred. Now I'd seen one rat hole in the property, but I didn't see a single rat when I was there and it smelled you know, like cats, like rats. So like it smelled bad. So I used like the scent in the paint to kind of cover it up. But man, like months of just the water damage in the house, cleaning up the rats, then the roof was leaking. Like it, I, I dragged this thing for three. It was supposed to be a flip, Taylor. This was supposed to be a flip. I put it on the market, by the way, didn't sell. I put it on the market for six months out of Vegas, did not sell. So I kept putting tenants in every year. I put another tenant, I put another tenant. I even tried one time, uh, lease option to purchase, like sell it to somebody, like rent to own kind of thing. And I I messed up the contract. The guy gave me a deposit. He ended up getting his deposit back when, <laughs> when oh, I messed man. up the contract. 
So I got no money from holding this tenant. And uh, three years later, um, there is there's kind of like a good side to the story. I did sell it for a hundred thousand dollars three years later. And like, so like the cash flow I was making essentially paid for the money I put into it. So I I didn't spend. You know, there wasn't a lot of spend. And when I I walked away with like twenty five thousand, you know, of my money, right? It wasn't like there was twenty five thousand back in my pocket. It wasn't like a a big win. Yeah, maybe I made like 15 grand on the thing. So worst deal ever, Taylor. So I learned a few things. One, do not buy a single family home and, and you know, flip it. Like I do not like them. I've done them a couple of times since, but I just, I learned the lesson every time I do it, I'm scared because if the market turns, I'm stuck with a rental. It doesn't make money. Two, don't buy a house without a basement. You know, maybe in certain markets it works, but not in New England. And oh, three, yeah, no. don't buy a house. Yeah, right. Don't buy a house on a main road next to a convenience store. Because I used to have all these like, you know, these homeless people walking around Ooh. the front house. It's so hard to sell. So terrible. Uh, so I learned a lot of things, a lot of lessons there. Wow. <laughs> Rough lesson. You know, the thing about the basement is interesting. Here in Richmond, you know, we just bought a house. We were looking around. I'd love to have a house with a basement. Nothing has a basement here. So few houses here in Richmond have a basement, but New England's totally different, uh, totally different beast. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Most important lesson I learned uh, comes from one of my my favorite mentors. He's, he's to this day one of my best friends. Uh, he's worth twenty one million dollars, and he has he's taught me this, and he says it over and over. And every single lesson, whether it's a good lesson or a bad lesson, he's sharing with me. He always says, "Be a decent human being." And Dave's standard of decent human being is not just be a nice guy. Like he's talking about be exceptional, be above. So if you say you're going to do something, impress them with how well you do it. If you say you're going to stick to something, impress them with how hard you stuck to it. If you like, even in the, in the most minute detail, if you say you're going to be there, be there present, full energy, full intensity, like bring your best to the game so that anytime somebody thinks of who could I count on for this, they're thinking of you. And, and if you can be a decent human being in life, you know, connect with people who are, you know, powerful people who can really move you forward, but connect with them knowing that you're a powerful person who will always bring your best to the game and just be a decent human being and life will throw whatever you want at it. Like it, it will give you whatever you desire. Awesome. I love it. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. For folks out there who want to track you down, want to find the, find you on the internet, find any of your content, anything like that, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at alchemistnation.com. Alchemist Nation is a place where I've gotten over 100 millionaires to donate courses. This is free courses. They're donating out of the kindness of their heart. And these courses are designed to build millionaires. So uh, 100 millionaires is um, another like mission for us that I've taken beyond just, you know, hey, we're doing it. Like I took it seriously. Like we're going to go do this. And I've got 100 millionaires now who are donating courses, who are changing the game. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Snapchat. Uh, you can find me on any social media platform on Pinterest, right? You can find me out there on, uh, what's the other, on Quora. I answer questions, bigger pockets. But um, my favorite place to hang out in Alchemist Nation, we got the Messenger app in there. You can send me messages and ask questions. And me or one of the other 100 millionaires on the platform will respond and we'll take care of you. We, we always show up. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. 
right now. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.